0: Hey, everybody. We welcome you to the Sports Rivals. I'm Gary Thorne. We are delighted to have you with us. Our purpose here is to preserve memories of classic sports rivalries through the words of those who have participated in them. It gives you the uh, description of what goes on in competition in the sports world from the inside out. You know, we talk about this, and we usually are thinking about players. Number one, when we talk about the competition and the rivalries, We know it also exists as far as managers and coaches are concerned in all of the sports. It exists in front offices. We're all obviously trying to outdo one another. It's a part of the competition in in every sport. There's another area though, where there's also competition and that's in the press box. For those who are covering games, sports journalists have always been an absolutely vital part of sports in bringing what's going on in the games to the people. For so much Of uh, our sports history that was done through the daily newspapers. Obviously, that still goes on, but there's been enormous changes in just the last decade as to what sports journalists are doing to get stories out to people with all kinds of social media available. So we're going to talk about that rivalry that goes on in trying to get stories, get them first, and get them out in this day and age. And our two guests have been involved uh, in doing this for a long time. Bob Nightingale has covered baseball all the way back to 1986. He had been with the Kansas city star nine and a half years with the Los Angeles times has worked at the sporting news, MSNBC, and he is at USA today. Bob has been there as a columnist now for some 22 years. Just saying that scares the hell out of me. because It (laughs) doesn't doesn't seem as though that's possible. (laughs) Scott Miller has been the, a national baseball columnist at Bleacher Report since 2014. Scott came up with CBSSports.com, covered the Minnesota Twins for the Pioneer Press, was a general sports writer with uh, an emphasis on baseball with the Los Angeles Times from 87 to 93. He's also a co-author of the book 90% Mental. He did that with the former pitcher in Chicago Cubs, mental skills coach, Bob Tewksbury. So Bob Nightingale, Scott Miller are joining us here today to talk about the rivalry that goes on in sports journalism and the mighty changes that have taken place as of late. Uh, guys, I'd like to, number one, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you doing this. And I'd, I'd just like to start conversation between the two of you by by asking, what is sports journalism today? What does it look like? When I say that word to you, what comes to mind? Bob, let me start with you.
1: Well, everything's completely different now, Gary. mean, now sports journalism used to be, hey, breaking stories in the newspaper, writing, you know, beautifully uh, written features. And now a lot of it is just, you know, guys you know, breaking a story in 40 characters on, on Twitter and that sort of thing. So I, I think the writing has taken a, a back seat. I think The Athletic has helped resurrect that. Uh, Scott does great long pieces in the uh, in brief report. But I think now it's just throwing stuff out there. People don't even have the, uh, you know, they'll look at stories on their cell phones and not even the laptops anymore, you know, let alone newspapers.
2: Yeah, Scott, Twitter yeah. comes to mind immediately, Gary. Yes. Um, I, I, I hate to say it because I thought, I mean, Twitter, there's so much good about it, but yet so much bad. And And I think in some ways, certain times of year especially around the trade deadline or the winter meetings you know i think twitter can bring out the worst in, a, in our business because um you know, it's like broadcasting play by play of rumors and in trade conversations or whatever you know say so take a normal trade conversation uh, it may take several permeations over over a week or two and so when you are broadcast trying to cover every step of a of a of a trade conversation uh, along the way on Twitter it, 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 oftentimes uh, you know you're too far out in front or you can end up embarrassing yourself and that's why I say it, it it the bite-sized pieces that Bob talked about were that's more where we're at today and in in many ways regarding Twitter it, it can represent the worst side of our business because you know, I think by, I can probably speak for Bob in this. We grew up in a world where, where what you write in the newspaper or online, in journalism, like it, it you strive to be as accurate as you can. And when people can just throw stuff out on Twitter, uh, oftentimes uh, there's erroneous information. So that that's that's kind of an ongoing source of frustration, I think, for many of us. Um, but at the same time. You exist in in the world the way it is today, and you have to, you know, you have to, uh, to to roll with things and 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 try to, you know, do you know, keep up with everything.
1: And then Twitter suddenly some I can screw up and just erase erase a tweet. In the uh, yeah, in the back in the day with the uh, newspapers, you know, before the internet, you know, you on that you had that story for an entire day. You know, I remember. Uh, T.R. Sullivan was working for the Fort Worth Star Telegram at the time. He had the story that A-Rod was, was a huge story, and the winner meetings was in Dallas, so maybe even bigger. So, But he says, you know, he, he had a good source, but he was still sweating bullets during half that day, saying, you know, God, I'm, I hope I'm right here. Also, I look like a complete moron.
0: Hmm. How, about, how about the rivalry then and now, guys, for getting a story? And you know you you want to be exclusive. I mean, you're you're trying to be ahead of the pack on these things. Uh, compare that trying to do that twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, to what it's like now.
1: Well, well uh, nowadays, like Bob said, Go on, go on, Bob. You no, know, I say nowadays it's a uh, you know people just kind of sidling up to guys like agents. I've I got. 99% of the stories in baseball now are, are broken through the agents. You know, whether a, uh, they're getting their clients been traded, whether a clients is uh, signing a contract, that sort of thing. So you see a lot of guys more compromising their positions now just to uh, get close to the agents and, and, and do favors. Uh that, that part, is not good at all for the business.
2: Yeah, and it, 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 it all comes down, Gary, to... So much of it comes down to relationships, and and that's where it helps to have some years down, uh, some years under our belts. In that, over you know, there's no substitute for time in terms of developing relationships, be it with with players. You know, starting with teams, maybe we covered years ago. Um, You know, the, the players, the coaches, the managers, executives. And then, as you gain trust and, and, and relate and add to those relationships over the years, it, it kind of expands your your rolodex, so to speak, to use an old fashioned term. Uh, it now, I guess, it would expands your contact list and your iPhone. And so, when you're chasing a story, it, it, you, the more people you have, be it general managers, assistant general managers. Uh, the more people you have access to that you can reach out and that will take your phone call and return your phone call or return your text that trust you and will actually give you some information. That's the whole, that, that's the key. And, um, you know, is the fields expanded, it, it's, it's gotten so crowded, like so many things in life as with expanding websites and expanding, uh, you know, national baseball writers. Mm-hmm. For example, when I started at CBS dot com as their national guy in 2000, um, there were only about two or three of us. I mean, Peter Gammons had just gone from the Boston Globe to ESPN.com, dot com, and I think Fox Sports had a, a a guy back back then. It was before, way before Ken Rosenthal. He was still at the Baltimore Sun. I think Dave Van Dyke out of Chicago was the Fox guy. So there were maybe three or four of us, quote unquote, national guys. And and Bob, you were. That was, you You went to USA Today. You were with Baseball Weekly and then USA Today. You were a national guy right around then as well, correct?
1: Yeah, right. And you were he right by Dan Van was He was the first guy at, at Fox. Yeah, not many yeah, national guys. guys. Yeah. So you had more
2: room to roam on the landscape. And if you got a scoop, it was still a little bit like the newspaper days in that you might have something you posted online or wherever your outlet was. You know, and you, you would have it for a little while. There was no Twitter. And, it, it, and now, fast forward to today, um, you know, there are almost more, you know, as many national writers as, as beat writers. And so you've got so many people elbowing for room and, and trying to talk to the same people, the executives and whomever, uh, to, to get the stories. And, and I'll tell you one other thing that comes to mind. Um, it'd be interesting, Bob, to see if you agree with this or not the paranoia in our business because of the competition to get scoops is off the charts. And, and, and just an example, like it, it's so funny, almost every one of us, you know, you'll, we'll be working at a ballpark, say wherever we're in, um, you know, at Camden yards in Baltimore and, uh, you know, maybe I would need to talk to Buck Showalter about something when he was managing the Orioles. And then, um, uh, I, I may think I have a scoop and then I look, and then, and, and I'm aware throughout the entire batting practice. Okay, who else is going off to talk to Buck Showalter? And you take mental notes. Okay, the guy, you know, from the Baltimore Sun, or the guy from USA Today. And, oh, what's he talking to Buck about? But that that's kind of both the fun, humorous, and frustrating part of the business is is you know the paranoia. You're always aware of who's talking to who. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I remember you know, especially the newspapers before the internet. Uh, you know, Tim Curtin always tells a story, you know, and uh, when Tim was in Dallas. You know, of course, the three papers, Dallas Morning News, the Star Telegram and uh, Times Herald. He says, you know, you get all three delivered to your uh, your driveway, you go outside. As Tim says, it was like looking at your report card. You're, just kind, of, you're kind of closing your eyes as your fingers going down the front page. Like, OK, I could have got beat too badly. It's not on A1. Then you go to the sports section like, OK, this, what, who had what? But those you know, those days are gone because now it's on you know, Twitter again. Catch up in, in in five seconds. You know, there was also the rivalry too, where uh, I remember the, the Denver Post and Rocky Mountain News was was legendary, and it was you know, bad in Dallas too. I mean, where people from the sports staff didn't speak to each other? It was almost uh, forbidden. I was I was covering game uh, with the Kansas City Royals with Jack Edkin and Jack Edkin, uh uh just, just plugging his computer and looks up and he sees TR Sullivan and then he says, Hey TR, how you doing? Good Jack. And that was the end of the that was the end of the uh, conversation. Jerry Fraley, who was as competitive as anybody I've been around, working for Dallas Morning News, walks over to Jack, points his finger at his chest, it says, when you get so friendly with the competition? And I was do <laughs> <happy. laughs> <laughs> So did they talk for years? <laughs> No, it's,
2: it's, it's so funny. I can't remember my first year on the Minnesota Twins beat, 1994, going into Detroit, old Tiger Stadium, that glorious old place. And um, it was one of the first trips. And, you know, I, I was just starting to meet some of the writers. And these guys, by the way, uh, Back in the day, they, they were almost heroes of yours. You wanted to get into the business, and, and, and you knew who was covering which team. For You would read the sporting news, and you knew uh, some of these names long before you met them. Jerome Holtzman in Chicago, for example. But anyway, first time I, I go into Detroit and uh, covering a Twins-Tigers game. And Tom Gage, uh, the longtime Detroit News uh, beat writer for the Tigers, uh, ended up winning the Spink Award at the Hall of Fame a few years ago, but um, after a game, we come back upstairs from the clubhouse. Because back in those days, too, you know, you you, you would have friends. Maybe you would trade quotes. Like I, I wouldn't have time to go over to the Tigers clubhouse because I was working the Twins clubhouse. I'd go upstairs to the press box, and then you know maybe you know, you know, you know, you know Tom Gage that particular day. Uh, came up and, and, and said, by the way, did you talk to whoever it was, Tom Kelly? You know, I need mean, I need mean, did you happen to talk to Tom Kelly about whatever the situation was, you know, why he pitched uh, uh, to Alan Trammel in the in the seventh inning there or whatever. What what was he thinking? And um you kind of trade quotes, but I remember Tom Gage to the competition point. You know, Tom Tom came up to me and one of the first things he said was, Look, he said, I don't care if you give a quote to the Detroit free press guy or this guy or that guy. I don't play that game. Don't worry about it. I, I just, if you can help me, great. And if I can help you, great. And I'm not watching to see who who you're talking to. And I thought, well, oh, there's a
1: refreshing change. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the way it was. We used to those, those notes calls, notes conference calls, uh, every uh, Thursday and Friday. So so people would be either sending those columns. There will be like eight or ten of us in sharing notes, and that would go on for, you know, two, two and a half hours, just painstaking. And, uh, you know, before you could put your, you know, notes on a computer and share them that way, or, uh, you know, obviously they went away uh, in time with the Internet. People can just look up their own stories. But, you know, you get off a plane, you know, particularly I remember places like in Cleveland, and you go to the out-of-town newsstand and, and grab as many papers as you can. It's almost like, okay, this is stuff i never heard of before. Hey, I'll use this for my column because everything was just going in, in its own city. Uh, you know, I remember in the 88 World Series, uh, guys were the Baltimore Sun, uh, Ken, uh, Ken Baker. in uh see Kent in the, in the lobby morning. And he's going in his car to drive the suburbs. He goes, oh, I'm going to pick up some papers. I'm going to have some notes for uh, the paper tomorrow. I said, Kent, the LA Times is right here. Just grab this paper. He goes, No, no. He goes, The Baltimore Sun's only the LA Times. So i got to go get the suburban papers because nobody's seen those notes yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're always on the
2: prowl for nuggets. They were so important back in the day. and And, and Bob brought up a great point, too. I clearly remember those two thousand those winter meetings in uh, uh, in Dallas the year when T R Sullivan of the Fort Worth Star Telegram at the time broke the A Rod to Texas free agent signing two hundred fifty two million just eye popping and 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 I mean that obviously probably was was one of the biggest scoops of of, of our time but uh, again how things have changed as Bob pointed out uh, you know I remember in the newspaper days, you, you know, you'd have something for that paper, for your paper, and, you know, if you had something that morning, you almost you had 24 hours to just kind of let your breath out and exhale because it was like you knew, uh, man, I beat my competition and, and, and on that, and there's nothing he can do about it until tomorrow morning's paper. So you, you almost had, like like, the whole day to take a victory lap and in a way, it, 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 once you got past the nerves of you'd wake up and check your competition's newspaper. And and, and like it, when I covered the Twins, the uh, Pioneer Press, uh, part of the town I lived in, I had to go out to the paper box. They didn't do home delivery on that side of the Mississippi River, which sounds crazy. But I would, I would know what I wrote, but I'd get the Minneapolis Star Tribune and I'd check every morning. You'd have that. You'd hold that breath. You know, oh, my God, did he have a story on the twins that, that I didn't? And then when they when, when he didn't, you know, Jim Suhan and Lavelle Neal in those days, um, you'd be like, oh, you know, that was your first breath of relief you could take, you know, as you grab your morning coffee. And uh, if you had something they didn't have, you know, as I say, 24 hours, you are like, great to go. Um, you know, now on the Internet, it's like somebody has a scoop. And then it doesn't matter. It lasts about 10 seconds or a minute, and then somebody else matches it. And in a way, it, it, if you're the one getting beat, it makes it a little bit easier because you don't have to wait that full day and just agonize and feel like an idiot for missing something until tomorrow morning's paper. So that part's good. But, but the flip side is in this Twitter world, we're all on 24 seven now. And you, if you get beat by a shoot, the great thing is you, you can make a few calls or put some texts out and, and you can come back with the story 10 minutes later. Um, but the flip side is, um, you're all day long, you're checking Twitter and into the night and you're, you're double checking various sources, at various, various places to make sure you're not getting, uh, uh, you know, falling too far behind. And so now it's a 24-7, never-ending job.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the camaraderie, I think, goes away, too, because of Twitter and stuff. It's like, well, you can catch up in a matter of seconds. You know, people aren't sharing uh, information. I remember when I was coming to Kansas City Royals and, you know, Bo Jackson, I think it was his second year or so. Uh, a couple of guys from couple of the Dodgers, uh, Terry Johnson and Gordy Burrell come up to baseball and boardwalk where the Royals are training and says, ah, we got to talk to, uh, uh, Bo. And I said, Oh man, I'm sorry. He he only talks like, you know, once a week, I know he's not talking today. Uh, Hey, I just did a big long profile on him, uh, here. So, So those guys, you know, read my candy laptop and spent 30 minutes took the quotes down went back to the bureau and, you know, keep <laughs> the bars and brought their story. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the way it was. It wasn't like play prison. We saw guys helping out guys. And uh, yeah, we don't, we don't see that nearly like, like we, like we
2: did. Well, I was just going to say, because like back in those days, again, it was before the internet. So when the, with the camaraderie, like you shared your Bo Jackson quotes with them and they wrote it for their own papers, their own markets. But again, it's back to people in those markets wouldn't have seen your Bo Jackson story back in the day because it wasn't online. So it, it, it was almost, you know, like you could, wherever the cities were that were filing to be at Detroit or Los Angeles, it was, it was still, you know, new, you, you kept your own material for the Kansas City area. and. And, and in those areas, uh, you're kind of, you're helping them out because they weren't going to, their readers weren't going to see anything online anyway.
0: Guys, I was going to ask you in light of this, that there's always been a need for background information you get from people that is off the record as opposed to what's on the record. Has that, the distinction between those two, has it changed because of the social media and the Twitter and all of that as to what went on then, what you took as background and would have made a great story, but you weren't going to do it because it wasn't intended to be public, as opposed, is there more of that that goes on today, Bob?
1: Yeah, I think the lines have really become uh, way too blurry. Uh, you got to have a real trust factor of guys now to go off the record. I mean, back then, yeah, you know, when your notebook wasn't open, everything was off the record. You know, I'm mm. you know going team buses on team planes with the guys, uh hey when they're done playing i'm done writing seeing him at the same bars and restaurants everything you saw everything you heard you knew it was about the record and it yeah, was something that was kind of interesting hey maybe some guy was complaining about the manager and you want to get traded and you go to the next day and say hey can i write that and i i think nowadays uh i don't blame these guys for for being very leery and people don't know each other i mean the writers knew the uh Players, you know, i go to their parties. They'd come over the house and go out, that sort of thing. And those days are gone. You know, I mean, we mentioned the, the Tigers. Uh, God, those Tigers were infamous for you going down that clubhouse at one in the morning. You know, half that team is still there drinking beer and stuff like that and talking baseball. Not to get drunk, but just to talk ball. And come up through, I learned from the, the Royals guys, you know. I owe so much to guys like Hal McRae and Frank White and George Brett. Sabrick and you know, those guys, it just, everybody was talking baseball. You know, nowadays, you know, you walk in that clubhouse and, you know, half the guys are already gone.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, it, it, what I mentioned a little bit ago about relationships, that that's how you build them and, and where we built them. And one area today regarding Gary, your, your, the, the off the record stuff. Um, the, the, first off, there has to be a trust factor. But secondly, that trust factor isn't quite there today, I don't think, across the board at least, because again, with, with the journalism industry, like many industries, being hit hard uh, by cost-cutting and newspapers shrinking, um, you know, there, there's so many times, so, so many, in so many cities, there are young, young writers uh, covering the team. And you know we all were young writers at one time, but the turnover today because of layoffs, or or maybe a young writer covers a team for two for a year, and he doesn't really want to do baseball. He was just plot there because the other guy was laid off, and now he's there for a year, and then he moves on to the basketball beat or to go cover news or whatever. Um, with the turnover, there's so many young writers that are unfamiliar. To, and I think from a player's perspective, now a lot of people on our side come and go, come and go, and that doesn't lend itself to the trust factor at all. When when you don't a guy's not there long enough to get to know each other. I know, you know, when Bob and I started, a lot of the beat writers and a lot of in many of the cities had been there for ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, and it was the baseball beat used to be one in which once you were there, you stayed. And now it can be so transient. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's maybe good in some ways that that not everything remains off the record. Yeah, It reminds me, Gary, it goes back to the old Babe Ruth riding the train stories, right? The, the, the yeah. legendary story where, you know, the writers, everybody traveled together and a naked woman goes running down the boxcar and Babe Ruth goes after her, chasing her and uh the two writers that were on, on the train look at each other they look up from their card game and then one of them says i didn't see anything there did you and the other one says nope and they went back to playing cards and it was off the
1: record <laughs> yeah yeah i did i did a story a few years ago like what happened to the clubhouse how come guys aren't staying together now you know it to be a of it, to the, you know the band of alcohol in the clubhouse now when, when the uh Pitch up the Cardinals, Josh got killed. And uh, it seemed like the beard disappeared after that. But I remember talking to Eric Chavez about that. And, and Chavez says, You know what? We don't even really trust each other anymore. Not, it's not so much just the media, even the player to player. You know, he goes, You say something in the clubhouse, someone's putting it on Twitter or Instagram or tells you know, members of her family. Yeah, it's all over the place. So I, I, it's not just the, the media and the athletes. I think it's just even the athletes and the athletes themselves.
2: Yeah, I I I remember toward the end of his career, somebody asked Derek Jeter, you know, hey, all the years you've been playing, uh, you know, what's the what's the worst thing that you worst thing to come along in baseball, the worst technology, and he didn't bat an eye. He said the cell phone, a cell phone camera, and and now it's because the reason being, you know, players out anywhere in a bar, you know. Some fan comes up and wants a picture and and, and asks it's all an innocence, but if say it's you know a picture with a woman and it's innocent at the time and yet then the the person goes and puts the picture online and you know might spread you know, hey, I was with their junior last night, I dated him or, or whatever crazy stuff they may say and and um that I think that lends itself to the, the 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 whole social media aspect of life today where like Bob said, players can be leery of each other, let alone the media. I mean, remember in the, uh, just in the playoffs last year, remember the St. Louis Cardinals in Atlanta Braves series, uh, the Cardinals outfielder tape Mike Schilt giving his win one for the Gipper speech in the clubhouse yeah. before the game that, that was off, off color, which was shocking because Mike Schilt and, you know, he never swears and and the guy put it out on twitter and and or somewhere and and that was even within the clubhouse and the cardinals had to deal with that telling their own players hey 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 you know don't be putting this stuff out
1: yeah well that's kind of the royals remember you know this way it was at, in uh with dick cable and we're coming in about two in the morning and Cleveland to the hotel and when they. Uh, when the pitcher's just going out, he's got a drink in each hand, a woman in each arm. and Hey, see you tomorrow. You know, Have a good time. I don't think anything of it. Show up in the press box next day, you know, in those hot, steamy days in Cleveland, and, and forgot that he happens to be the starting pitcher that day. So he said, Oh, this is going to be <laughs> interesting. So, sure enough, you know, he lasts three innings, you know, gives up like eight runs, seven hits, just placid. And they, uh, throughout the game, you know, we go to him and say, uh, Hey, what happened today? Hey, you guys saw me last night. You know what happened. He we would say, Well, what can, what can, we, what can we write? Uh, I didn't have my good stuff. <laughs> that's the it was. I don't think that today.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I was, as, I've, as i've gone through this i've been thinking i mean <clears throat> i know over the years talking with you guys writers in general there's a lot of pressure from upstairs your editors and it used to be well, you, you guys talk about going to get the other newspapers from the competition and if you didn't have the story the editor was on the phone and in your ear no uncertain terms what happened why didn't you have it where does that stand today how much pressure do you get from upstairs with, with these stories that are immediately out uh, and there's hardly time to even read them before the next one comes.
1: It enters respond quickly and say, Hey, did you see this? You know, someone's tweet or something like that and say, Hey, we need something up fast. It's more a sense of urgency. And uh, Hey, how can you get a story? It's almost like, Hey, get this up as fast as you can. And uh, I think that's the way it is at, at at most newspapers now i don't i'm not sure how many guys are are screaming at the writers about hey you should have had this just because when people have something you know they have it for 20 seconds you know something like waking up in the morning and you know, like got reference before and you you get to have it for 24 hours they <laughs> get to have it for a minute hmm.
2: yeah i would agree with that i think i think there's just so much going on today again in the social media world and on twitter there's so much information that's coming at people today not just us base excuse me us baseball writers but even as you ask gary our our editors or the people upstairs in the offices they've got the same situation i think they've got so much information coming at them whether it's some breaking football news or basketball news or baseball news you know plus they're dealing with whatever the budget and, and their bosses and and it's almost it's almost today, like everybody's just in survival mode. And if 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 some baseball story comes out, the editors, as Bob said, it, it's more. Uh, you might get that phone call from office, hey, or a text even today. That's the other thing. You used to get the phone call from the office. I barely get those anymore. It's always texts or emails now. Uh, you know, you, you talk to people less than you did, and you know, you might get a quick text. You know, hey, this. Did you see this? So and so just had this. You know, okay, yeah, I saw it. I'm, I've got a call out. I've got a text. Out. And then you get the text back from the editor. Okay, good. Just want to make sure you're on top of that. And um, so, yeah, it's not so much anymore uh, where you get berated. Why didn't you have it? It's just, you know, is, here you go. Did you see this? Let's get something up on it. And I think it's because of what I said, there's just so much information flowing that, you know, even the editors upstairs, they don't have. Five or ten minutes to give you a call and say, What the heck? Why didn't you have that? Because everybody's just bailing. It seems to me everybody's just bailing water as quick as they can in today's information
1: age. Hmm. Yeah, and some guys are good natured about it. I remember, you know, Gary, you were there when uh, Adam Jones had the racial taunts uh, hmm. at him at Fenway Park. And, uh, you know, because of small uh clubhouse there and they're bringing guys out they're asking about different things and uh many machado you, you had a funny interview <laughs> I know, it was playing time but I guess it was a lie with Machado when you're squaring every other word. <laughs> and so I remember uh, you know Adam Jones is acting fun at night like turning around the stands. So I I, I grabbed Nick Popardo you know, from the Boston Globe and, and uh and we go to the clubhouse and grab Jones I say hey Adam something happened out there and Adam, you know, kind of detailed what happened with the racial taunts and people throwing stuff at him. So going upstairs and, you know, write it quickly, you know, hits the uh, internet, you know, and then when the, uh, you know, Baltimore Sun guy says, Oh man, tomorrow's going to be a long, long day. You know, he, he saw what I wrote because <laughs> it was tweet out, but he wasn't, you know, mad or throwing stuff He just, Hey, he had a deadline and he had to go. And, you know, I had, I had a little bit more time on my hands.
0: Mm. Let me, uh, <clears throat> Let me ask this kind of rounding it out here. Where, do new, where does the sports journalism and newspapers fit now and for tomorrow, Scott?
2: Well, I, I still think it, in a perfect world we're the conduit to the fans. Uh, you know, we might get accused of asking negative questions here and there, or or whatever but by and large i think we should be asking the questions to get the information that the fans want to know and that's changed formats it it, it, it's it's not the old-fashioned newspapers so much anymore is it you know now it is online and and now we get the information out quickly but by and large i think the job should for the most part, be what it's always been. And that is to educate and enlighten and entertain the fans that, 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 you know, work hard every day and, and can't wait for that night's ball game for, to watch their favorite team play. And that can't get enough information. They want to know, you know what, you know, what, what, about our pitcher tonight? You know, what, what, what about you know, our slugger and the guy, you know, the, our fifth place hitter that turned an ankle last week. What's, what's up with that? Um, I think by and large, that's still our job. It it takes on different forms. And I always look at it. Like I, I try to give the reader glimpses of places he can't go, he or she can't go. Um, you know, with our press passes, we, we have access to talk to the players, to the managers, to the front office and, and, um, I think we need to be as entertaining and informative as we can to the readers and, and it's, it's tougher and tougher as our access gets chipped away um, as this trust we've talked about between players and writers or players and players or whoever it is, very various forms as the trust erodes a little bit, um, you know, and as newspapers shrink and sadly in some Cities close. Um, I think there's always going to be a market for information, and it, 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 because fans are so into sports and into their teams, and they want
1: to know what's what's going on. Yes, that's right. I think so many cases, far too many writers are writing for each other instead of writing for the fans and the, and the readers yes. and the, that sort of thing. It's like, hey, let's let's be entertaining. Let's loosen things up. You know, what you feel bad about today, you can have, you know, most beautifully written story and and say, uh, you know, 2,000 words. If there is one negative quote in there, something negative, that's all people remember. They go to that and that's what people talk about on the Internet and Twitter. And it's like uh, you feel bad. I mean, you you know, you can have a manager saying, uh, you know, 99.9% nice things about the L.A. Dodgers says one negative thing out there. That's all people look at. So, you know, the attention span now is is, is so low and so weak. And uh, that's what, you know, I, <laughs> I'm surprised players even have Twitter, to tell you the truth. You know, just I could see if you want to get out your own, uh, you know, your own message or, you know, your own charities, that sort of thing. I remember a couple of years ago, David Price got it completely. And, and, and Price says, you know, right now I, I could tweet out, God is good. And I, I swear people would tweet back, no, no, he's a jerk. What are you talking about? You know that sort of thing. So yeah, I I wish people would take time to read, read the whole thing and not just grab a one little negative thing and thinking that all all stories are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 that's
2: one area that's different today is for, from the past as well. All these various websites that aggregate stories and and what exactly what Bob just said. You know, there's so many sites now. They don't go out and cover the sport. But they've got a blogger, or they've got somebody that just combs through the internet and pulls out what we write and what the original material we get, and that's that's the biggest problem I think. It, it, it with you know the what Bob just laid out is is you know Bob or I could write the story he just said talking to manager about the Los Angeles Dodgers and 99% positive that, that, but there's that one negative quote where a guy blasts somebody, the aggregators that are not out at the ballparks that don't have to face people, they'll, they'll comb through and, and they're, they'll, pull, they'll build their little blog about that one negative uh, quote that, that'll what they're hang their hat on. Then they tweet that out and then everybody retweets and retweets and, and 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 then it just takes off like wildfire. yeah, I do think there's a lot of there are a lot of nuance is lost today. You know, if things are black and white or or the long story with the negative quote, that's the one quote people hang their hat on. Um, it It gets frustrating at times because when you're out talking to people, as you guys know, there there's so many layers to different stories. And there might be six reasons why. Uh, a player is having the good year he's having and, and, you know, maybe, but, but, but by the time you get to the third reason, trying to lay it out in a well-balanced story, people have moved on
1: because of the short attention spans. Mm. <laughs> remember back in the day it's like, you, if something was negative, someone goes, Oh, you're writing that just to sell more papers. Now it's changed to hey, click, click, click me, click me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to let you go on that one but in your talk I have an, I have another question. Uh I was just thinking about you know the player that site I guess Derek Jeter started where the players yep. got to write whatever they wanted and it got posted and it's out there is there a danger we're even going to lose contact with the people that you're writing about that they don't have to talk to the press anymore? They're just going to tweet and Instagram and and go online and write their own story. We
1: can see that, you know, particularly, you know, I know the Baseball Rush Association was upset. It you know, looked silly at the time when we were banned from the clubhouses, you know, before the pandemic here, and they, uh, and you know, started writing letters to uh, or send emails to uh, MLB, hey, what's going on here? So there is a danger that the access will be less. And there's less access, and the players will be sending out their own message, you know why why do I have to talk and they really don't, so yeah there's certainly that fear, yeah, there is, and
2: in fact, I would say each team now one one thing that's re- relatively new in the last few years versus even seven or eight years ago, each team now has its own instagram, its own social media account, and as such they've hired some of their own people each club has a social media staff now and between the players putting their own message out or the teams putting their own messages out going straight to instagram and and things like that um yeah there's definitely a concern that that the players and even the teams don't have as much motivation to work with the the traditional working press because of the various avenues they now are getting their own message out. And, you know, I mean, it's, as an old school journalist, it it worries you because, um, you know, many of these teams, Instagrams, you know, they're fun. You know, they'll follow a player from the dugout to the batting cage for batting practice and, you know, do whatever. But the, the, you know, mostly what you're going to get is the cotton candy, the fluff, the sugar, the, the, the happy talk from the teams. And that doesn't mean I'm always looking for negative stuff, but there's a fine line toward being well-balanced, you know, that, that, Hey, this is going on, but also this is going on. And, uh, you know, to hear only from the players and only from the teams, you know, you're, you're going to get the one side of the story, but not the full story
0: guys uh hate to end on a little negative there but I, uh i'm afraid that that's where we're ending and that's the fact is that's exactly where we are uh i can't thank you guys enough bob nightingale who's uh the columnist with uh usa today and scott miller who's with the bleacher report i really appreciate it just a a very interesting discussion and an ongoing one and one that clearly changes i think from day to day in this world and after uh after the pandemic, we'll see what uh, what it looks like in sports journalism. Guys, thanks a million. That's going to conclude uh, another chapter of These Sports Rivals. If you'd like to learn more about this and other episodes, we invite you to log on, thesesportsrivals.com. You can join the conversation, questions, and suggestions if you have some for future shows. You can follow us on Instagram at these sports rivals, Twitter at rivals underscore podcast, and on Facebook by searching for the Sports Rivals Podcast. Thank you all. Our thanks to Bob and Scott for joining us here and a look at the rivalry that still exists in the press box and trying to get that story. Thank you. And remember, it is the rivalries that make the games. Thank you for listening to Believe.